Welcome to the Career Thrivers Podcast, where we're not just barely surviving in our careers, but we are boldly thriving as leaders. I'm your host, Brittany N. Cole, keynote speaker, author, CEO, and your partner in growth. I've spent over the past decade teaching leaders to develop, retain, and advance in their career and with their workforce. And today, I'm here to guide you on your journey. Here at Career Thrivers, we believe that every experience is an opportunity for continuous improvement. And guess what? You're in the driver's seat of that growth. You're the master of your destiny and the architect of your own success. So whether you're a business leader or a career professional, you are in the right place. Are you ready for this? I'm so excited to be here with you. This season, we're gonna be exploring this theme of owning your power. And I firmly believe in the value of ownership and owning your power, not only in your career, but also in your life. We'll delve into thought-provoking discussions, learn from industry leaders, and equip ourselves with the tools and strategies to thrive in our careers. So buckle up, Thrivers, as we gear up to take your leadership skills to the next level. Hey Thriver, welcome back to the show. I am excited about this episode. You want to know why? Because it's just me and you. (laughs) I don't know why I had this song in my head, but I do. So I thought I would sing it to you for a second. But no, I'm excited about this episode because this is a celebration episode. It is also an episode that I believe is going to be transformational for people leaders. So we're going to get into like the nitty gritty behind the scenes backstory, straight, no extras, no filters, no PC combo. Like, let's break down this conversation around entrepreneurship. And I'm excited to do that with you because, drum roll, please. <laughs> I cannot believe that it has been four years since my last day of work. Now, any entrepreneur will tell you this. So I'm taking a break from like the, you know, corporate focused, how do you thrive in the workplace conversation today to share a little bit more about my backstory and to encourage those of you who have that entrepreneurial drive. Like you have that entrepreneurial spirit. You might be a full-time entrepreneur yourself listening into the podcast to develop your own leadership skills as you're building your team. Or five out of 10 of you that work inside of an organization, corporate, nonprofit, government, regardless of the sector, you have a side hustle. You have something that you've started, a business that you've started, an idea that's been brewing in your mind that maybe you are testing out online. You may have an MVP in the marketplace, like you're doing something entrepreneurial. So I'm excited to have this conversation with you because it's been four years. August the 19th, 2019 was my last day of work. I traded in my corporate suit. Still got a few of those more than a few, (laughs) but I said goodbye to the traditional nine to five approach of being an employee and really stepping into a new venture, stepping into the unknown territory, really leaping out on faith, but with a parachute, which I'll talk more about in just a second, into the wild, wild west (laughs) full-time entrepreneurship. And I want to share with you that I didn't just wake up one day and decide that I wanted to become an entrepreneur. And I think that some of the things that I want to talk with you about today will help you if you have questions in your mind about what does this really look like? You know, like beyond the news feeds of laptops by swimming pools and passport photos of someone, you know, an entrepreneur on their next trip or screenshots of bank accounts, (laughs) you know, like beyond all of those things that are kind of like the highlight reel, if you will, of entrepreneurship, 
what does it actually look like? And let me share with you, you know, I had a similar question in my mind when I was grappling with the decision of, do I stay? Do I leave? And I had some of the very same questions. And so I want to want to take you on a bit of a journey, what's been my journey over these last four years, and share some of the lessons learned, share some of the highs, some of the lows, some of the backstory, and also some of the behind the scenes. I am going to be sharing with you today some things that I have never shared publicly. <laughs> I'm taking you into some of my private thoughts some of my private conversations with mentors and sponsors and people that I consider wise counsel. And I'm excited. I'm excited. So whether you are, again, a people leader, this is a conversation for you too, because you likely, if you are managing people, if you are leading people, you are likely leading people who have an entrepreneurial endeavor or at the very least an entrepreneurial interest right? So this is for you. This is also for someone who might still be inside of your organization as an employee and you have a side hustle. So I believe that these lessons will resonate with you. And I've really thought through the top six lessons over these last four years. And that's what I want to walk you through. So as you may know, uh, if you are new here, welcome Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm glad that you're here. Glad that you're on this journey with me, that you're a part of this community of thrivers that we have cultivated here. And so if you are new, you may not know that before starting my own venture, I was actually a full-time commercial leader at Pfizer. So I worked in sales, marketing, and also did DEI work. Some call it like off the side of your desk. So uh, for me, that looked like through leading district to national to enterprise-wide initiatives that were related to DEI while I was also in other roles. So I have a lot of respect for, but also experience with <laughs> those of you who might be working inside of an organization doing that work, but that work isn't connected to your like nine to five, right? Whether that's through an ERG or you're working alongside a leader in the business, a part of a DEI com uh, committee or something of that nature. So I had that experience as well. And when I think about like the entrepreneurial desire for me, you know, I actually learned something new a couple of weeks ago from my dad. And what I never connected the dots on before is the fact that my grandfather, my dad's dad actually owned a store. So this kind of like internal curiosity early on around entrepreneurship has really kind of always been there. You know, this desire to create this kind of noticing of like, why is it that I'm always, you know, I can remember almost in every role I was in at Pfizer, being able to see, not just see the problem, but like have new ideas on how we could create solutions around it. And for me, in terms of my just gifting and what I'm passionate about, usually those problems and solutions were connected to people. They were connected to culture in some way. They were connected to performance and productivity through people, right? So any, you know, Pfizer, old Pfizer family uh, that's, that's listening into the show that I've had the blessing of being able to work with, like they weren't surprised <laughs> by career thrivers or, or the work that I get to do today because that was very much connected to what I would notice and what I would see and the projects I would take on and the assignments that I'd be tasked with, you know, in the business to, to, to drive the business. And so I've always kind of had that internal urge of like, how do we make things better? How do we improve this? How can this be even more effective and efficient to help us live out our purpose better? You know, and at Pfizer, I believe it's probably still the, the, primary focal purpose today, but it was all around breakthroughs that change patients' lives. So even though I was working, let's take sales, for instance, you know, in an execution type of role, or when I was a sales leader, you know, 
getting that sales performance through other people, it was always about how do we do this with this end towards creating these incredible innovations in the pharmaceutical industry to change the way patients live their lives every single day. And so being able to have an eye for how we could do that better or coming up with ideas around what those things could look like has kind of always been there. And I say that because that might resonate with you too. So maybe you're listening in and you're like, you know, Brittany, I'm not an entrepreneur. I haven't started a business yet, but you may have this solution oriented mindset, this growth mindset that perhaps there's an additional way that we can think about this. Um, This episode is for you too. So I'm glad that you're here. So when I think about my journey in terms of entrepreneurship, I actually started my first business in 2015. And some of you know this story, but Style by Brit was my first company. It was an image consulting business. And the lesson in that first venture was about how I got to a moment in 2015 where I said, enough is enough. I'm done waiting. So I will always remember I'd had this idea for bringing personal styling to the everyday woman, probably around like 2012. So I have this idea of like, you know, I'm just, again, just internal curiosity. Like, what would it look like? Like, I know celebrities have personal stylists, right? You know, um, artists and movie stars, but like there are other women, you know, men as well that either don't like shopping or I've always just had an eye for fashion. I love fashion. So I'm like, you know, man, like I could like get in their closet and like, put that, put that look together. Maybe just, you know, take it up a notch for them. Like how, you know, how could I do that was, was the question in my head. And I'll never forget. I shared the idea with a friend and they laughed at me <laughs> um, and, and thought it was like, not a good idea. And so I just like put it to the side. I'm like, you know what? They're right. It's not a good idea. Like just forget it. And I'll never forget. It was 2015. I'm flipping through a magazine and I see a profile of a woman that has started this company called Stitch Fix. <laughs> and I'll never forget sitting there reading this headline about how this woman has built a multi-million dollar industry bringing personal styling to the everyday woman. And I'm like, okay, enough is enough. I'm done sitting on this. Like I'm done trying to make it perfect or thinking that it's not good enough. Like I'm just going to do it. So 2015, I actually threw an ad at my church on like (laughs) during women's month. Um, And I laugh about this because every now and again, uh, Joseph, my husband will pull up, like he has um, like saved in one of his files, screenshots of my first website, like the first Style by Brit website. And we'll just have the best laugh because it is so bad. (laughs) Like It is so bad. But that was the start, right? So 2015, I'm like, okay, I'm done waiting. I see this article about this company called Stitch Fix, which now they have like TV ads and like all all of these all of these things. They service you know men and children and the entire family. I mean, it's just incredible what they what they do now. So I'm like, okay, so I started this business, Style by Britain, 2015, personal styling, really image consulting for women. Had a blast doing it. 2015 was also a big year of a major career setback for me. So check out one of the other episodes where I share a bit more about that. But it was um, I was going through <laughs> in the very deep throes of career grief, which I spend a lot of time talking about now, connected to turning down a job. And you know, I was really looking to regain my footing that year. And so I really feel like a lot of my like energy and drive around this first venture was very much connected to this career disappointment during that same year. So I'm, I'm building career thrivers, career thrivers, style by Brit from, I was living in Chattanooga, Tennessee at the time in 2017. So two years later, I get a promotion. I transition from sales into marketing. So better opportunity rolls around. I get fully relocated to NYC. Joseph and I are living in New York. And then three months later, my mom dies. And so many of you know, um, that story and just through those early phases of career grief, like I just completely stopped with my business. Like I could barely figure out just regular daily life. (laughs) Like I know initially I was really wrestling with like, do I go back to New York or, you know, is this a sign to come back home to support my dad and to, you know, be here for him. So anyway, went through all of that really kind of paused on style by Brit. And then the end of 2017, I took a sales management role with Pfizer to move back to Nashville. So 
we moved back November 1st of 2018. My apologies, I think I said 2017. 2018, we moved back to Nashville. And I moved back for this sales role that I thought would be 18 months. It ended up being six months. And the parachute that I talked about, right? And I, and I share this with people often, especially when I'm asked about my entrepreneurial journey, because I do not have the entrepreneurship story that I hated my job. And this is one of the many reasons why I believe that this conversation is so relevant for people leaders, because the fact of the matter is you have people likely that you're leading that either have a business on the side or want to, (laughs) right? So my story wasn't that, oh my gosh, you know, I'm on a toxic team. I have a toxic leader. And so I'm, I'm resigning. Like that wasn't my story. I had a fabulous career at Pfizer. I was working with some of the most brilliant people. I had all of the opportunity in the world to do almost anything I felt like at that, at that organization. And it, I came to a crossroads moment where there was an org restructure. The role that I was in was being eliminated. And so that put me in terms of HR on a layoff list because my role was being eliminated. And so I had a decision to make, right? I also had all of these amazing leaders that were bringing these roles to me and saying, Hey, Brittany, what about this? And, you know, hang in there. You know, I know you're kind of in this transition right now, but like something is going to open up and like, we're, we're going to make sure that you are good. Right. But I had to make a decision that was best for me. And so I chose to take, it was about a, a year of severance, which that's the parachute. So like when I share, I, I try to be really intentional about sharing with people, you know, I took a leap of faith with a year of corporate severance, six-figure severance, to be all the way clear. I told y'all this is like no extras. We we getting all the way into the into the deep <laughs> today, okay? Um, because I think this is such an important topic, and I think it's important to be fully transparent about like what it looked like, so that hopefully it helps to inform you or to give you a, another lens, right, in terms of how you can navigate and thrive in your own career in business. So I'm like, okay, you know, this gives me a year to figure it out, right? Max, you know, hopefully I can do, do this before then. So it took me about six months or so to, to, to fully, maybe less than that, maybe, maybe three or four months to like really decide, okay, like, yes, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to take this leap of faith. I spent several months, you know, back and forth and just like thinking it up and down and right and left forwards and backwards doing every to do list or to do list pro cons list, um, Venn diagram, you know, um, what's my flywheel? Like I was doing all the things, <laughs> all the things to determine if this was the right decision for me. And I decided that it was. So I was leading a sales team at the time. There was a lot of transition transition happening there because I was leading a team while the organization was going through layoffs, one of my team members at the time was impacted in our team performance wise. It was a sales team. We were the number one team in the region. So performance was great. Had to maintain performance momentum, right? Well, we, we, we perhaps will talk about that in another episode. You know, how do you lead others through change, through org change and also through personal change, right? So I'm leading this team. The org is having layoffs. I'm internally wrestling with this major life decision and I decided to take the leap. So August 19, 2019 was my last day at Pfizer. And from that day forward, four years later, here we are. So for me and for maybe you can relate to this or you know someone, you know, 2020 was my first full year as a full-time entrepreneur. (laughs) So I have quite a few lessons learned. I want to share these six lessons with you. And hopefully they resonate with you. You ready? All right. So lesson number one is timing is everything, but so is preparedness. So one of the reasons why I wanted to walk you through just my own timeline is because I do believe that it's important that we understand like when you're trying to make a decision about what you should do in your career, really period, right? There's what's happening internally, but there's also what's happening in your personal life and what's happening in your business. And so really the, for me, the groundwork in building career thrivers happened at Pfizer, right? And so when you're thinking about your nine to five, it's not just a paycheck, right? If you have entrepreneurial interests, if you are building a business, right? Think of your nine to five as your investor, 
right? It fuels your dream. So the time that you're spending, the time really that you're investing, right? To have a completely different mindset around your time, but the time that you're investing in your nine to five is not a waste or you're not like, oh my gosh, you know, I hear some people say, oh, I wish I could be, you know, working on what I'm passionate about, you know, all day. And it's like, well, you, you can, because actually this nine to five is invest is the investment, right? Through your salary in this dream that you have. So I also say that to say, right, as you think about your mindset around your nine to five, if you have entrepreneurial interest or if you're building a side hustle, I believe one of the best places to learn how to build a business is working at one. So you have an incredible opportunity to build your business acumen at your employer, right? Your employer is a profitable business, especially if you work within the Fortune 500. Like if you work in a at a corporate organization, not only is your organization profitable, but it's one of the largest in the world, right? So there's so much that you can learn inside your company as an employee. So be strategic, right? We talk often at Career Thrivers about, we have a value uh, around ownership, right? Of owning your power and owning your career. And I think that it's even more critical if you have entrepreneurial aspirations that you are strategic about your career moves. So when I thought about, I'll give you a quick example. So when I spent the first nine years of my career in sales, what started to happen, maybe like year, really like year, maybe five or six, I started to get exposed to marketing. So I, I never forget I a reverse field ride. So I had a marketer come and do a ride along with me because as a marketer, right, they wanted to see how the marketing messaging, the strategies, all of that was being executed in the field. So as a sales colleague, like, okay, great, you know, come down and ride. But then I asked like, hey, I would love to come and shadow you. I know nothing about marketing. Like I spend my, you know, days and weeks and months um, learning the ins and outs of sales. I'm great at sales, but I don't know what really I consider to be the core of the business, right? We we are focused on the what and, and executing in a sales function, but marketing is getting to the why, right? And the how, and even the when, right? There's so much research and investment that goes into actually informing sales on what to do and vice versa. Cause then I'll probably have sales, sales professionals that are listening like, hold on now, marketing doesn't know everything. We have the, I, I know, I know, I know I've been there, <laughs> right? We have the frontline experience. Like we're actually interfacing with the customer. We're hearing the objections in real time, not just the market research, but on both sides, I understand, right? <laughs> but um, working inside of an organization is a great place to build those skills, right? So that's lesson number one. Timing is everything, but so is preparedness. So leverage that opportunity to get better prepared. Second lesson, connected to this first one, your corporate experience is golden. There is not a day that goes by in my business as the CEO and founder of Career Thrivers that I don't lean on or reference something that I learned at Pfizer. Like, years later, four years later, right? So I can't emphasize enough how valuable the skills, the network, the deep understanding of organizational structure is to growing your business. People often ask me about, especially in the entrepreneurial space, you know, how we've been able to work with so many Fortune 500s as an organization that is new. And my answer to that question one of my top answers to that question has to do with my experience as a former corporate leader, right? So being able to understand the structure, the language, the culture of a large matrix organization, if that's your experience, is valuable, right? And so my experiences at Pfizer have been instrumental in my in my in my journey. So if you're leading entrepreneurial employees, right? So coming around to the people leaders that are, that are listening, right? It's so important that you help your people see and understand the value exchange that's happening every day that's beyond their salary, that's beyond the bonus, right? The skills that you're building, the experiences that you have, the opportunity to network with brilliant leaders from all over the world, right? If you work in a larger enterprise, like you have, I, I was on projects with 
people in different time zones and across different business functions. Like it was such an immersive experience in cream of the crop intellect and innovation and ideas and creativity. And all of that is a value, right? And all of that as an employee, you have access to, right? Because when I want access to those kinds of rooms today, guess what? I get to pay for those, right? I get to make that investment in my team or in myself. But as an employee, you have an opportunity to build those relationships that will last forever. You have an opportunity to build those skills and actually apply them through projects and you know different opportunities, different initiatives that you can work on. And that is an empowering experience and an empowering opportunity that really no one can take away from you. So ask yourself, right? What skill can you learn inside of your organization as an employee to level up your performance and to generate revenue in your business, right? How can you level up your performance in your role while you are also building a skill that helps you to generate revenue in your business? So the move to for me from sales to marketing was a strategic one. I was curious about marketing, but I also was like, hey, what I quickly realized, especially because the role that I was in was a digital marketing role. I'll never forget probably one of my most memorable experiences as a Pfizer marketer was getting to spend a week in Mountain View, California at Google. Like if you're listening, I just did the like little like mind blown (laughs) gesture over here because the information that we were exposed to there, the insights, the people, the strategy around like video and YouTube and just learning the way that Google is on this mission to essentially house all of the world's information and how they go about doing that in an enterprise way. I mean, I mean, like you'd be hard pressed to have another experience like that. So don't underestimate the power in your corporate experience and be very intentional about considering how do you advance those skills? How do you increase those experiences? How do you build that network beyond your day-to-day team so that you're building not only your brand equity, but also your intellectual prowess that helps you to think differently about solutions for the marketplace? Yes? Hey Thriver, have you ever had that feeling like you're doing all of the things, but you're still in the same place? If you're ready to unleash your full potential and to move beyond feeling stuck, stagnant, overlooked, and overwhelmed, you're in the right place. I have an exciting tool for you called the Own Your Power Checklist, and it's the ultimate guide to helping you to own your personal power to thrive as a leader. Now this checklist is gonna help you to do four things. Number one, it's gonna help you to own your unique personal power and to really weld it. It's gonna help you to embrace your authenticity, to develop self-awareness, to take ownership and hold yourself accountable. And then lastly, how to trust your instincts and turn those obstacles into opportunities. I'm so excited for you to cultivate an authentic personal brand and remain resilient without it costing you your well-being. Why? Well, because now is the time. Now is the time for you to move beyond the barriers and to create new opportunities. Now is the time for you to stop being passed over and to start being recommended in rooms that you're not even in. Now is the time for you to stop feeling stuck and stagnant and to align your strengths to accelerate your growth. Now is the time for you to step into the leader that you were always meant to be. So don't miss out on this opportunity. Click the link to download the Own Your Power checklist now. Take the next step towards owning your personal power and thriving as a leader. Get your checklist today at careerthrivers.com forward slash podcast. It's your time to thrive. Lesson number three, stay resilient and open-minded, all right? So resilience isn't just about, you know, weathering the storm or bouncing back. It's really about how do you, I extrapolate the lessons from the hard moments? How do I extrapolate the lessons from what didn't go right? How do I pull back the layers of even success to really understand how did I get there? Like, what are the repeatable behaviors or insights or, um, you know, leading indicators, lagging indicators that will help me to continue to be successful, to take things to the next level. And so as an entrepreneur, you know, you are not without unexpected 
turns. Okay. And I laugh saying that because literally even today, like something unexpected happened. I'm like, let me block out this next hour because I have to deal with this now. It's not only important, but it's urgent. Right. And so building that is not, not a soft skill at all. It's a power skill in every way of resilience as an entrepreneur, but also as an employee is going to be useful, right? So as your employer employer might be changing, right? As things might be changing in your business, as you know, roles might be changing, maybe your assignments look different. Maybe the way that your company is going about the business in 2023 looks different. Be open and learn how to develop that muscle of being flexible, right? I'll give you an example of, of, of a couple that come to mind that are in this camp of like staying open and being resilient. One, being able to make decisions without all of the information. Hands down, one of the top leadership skill sets that you need to be able to, to, to model and, and really excel at. And for me, I learned that or had my first taste of it at Pfizer, right? How do I make a decision as a marketer about moving, you know, a significant portion of the budget from one tactic to another without knowing exactly how the new tactic is going to perform, right? You got to be able to make a decision, (laughs) right? So leaders are faced with those kinds of decisions often and like, being resilient and staying open and knowing how to flex that muscle is something that you can develop inside of your organization because it will definitely show up as an entrepreneur. The other one, a skill set that I was thinking about was uh, leading without uh, positional authority. It is a skill that you can develop as an employee, right? Those plus one projects, those additional initiatives that either you volunteer for or you're assigned to whether you are an ERG leader or whether you are taking on something extra, right? Don't just see it as extra work. See it as an opportunity, not only for you to tap into innovation within your industry and within your company, but also as an opportunity to, for you to build the skill set of leading a cross-functional team. That's probably one of the biggest lessons. If I had to like say top five lessons that I learned while I was at Pfizer, that's probably one of my top ones because especially within the DEI space. Oh my gosh. Like so often I was leading work, leading national projects, having to connect with, you know, this, this district manager, this regional president, this, you know, state, state manager, or state director. And I, those people didn't report to me, <laughs> you know, I didn't have any positional influence or power over how they chose to spend their time, but I had to learn how to influence their decision-making because they were a stakeholder in the project that I was leading, right? And this is especially a message for those of you that might be emerging leaders within your organization. So you might not have direct reports. Developing the skill at your company of knowing how to influence without that positional authority, hands down top three skill for any role. Whether you are an entrepreneur or an employee, whether you are an individual contributor or whether you are an SVP, like top skill to have. So that's something that you can develop right early on. Because certainly as an entrepreneur, I'm often in scenarios where it's like, hey, you know, I have 1099 team members that yes, there's an exchange of value in that we're paying them for the work, but at any moment they can say, you know what, we're going to get another client or we're going <laughs> to go a different way, right? Um, even in our client delivery, you know, there are initiatives that it's like, we have to be able to, as a leadership team, influence corporate leaders on a path that's in alignment with a vision that they shared with us, right? That they may have some metrics around or we're helping them build metrics around in the learning and development space or in the DEI strategy space and knowing what that looks like and how to influence executives and how to influence people that are more senior than you is a skill set that you can develop today, right? So that's, that's, that's the like sub lesson in lesson number three of staying resilient and being open-minded. Here's lesson number four, forget competition, master collaboration, master collaboration. Now, any entrepreneur will tell you if you want to catapult your business, collaborate, 
in a strategic way, right? There's an African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And my time as an employee at Pfizer taught me that, right? It taught me the importance of teamwork as a sales leader, as a marketing leader, and even as an entrepreneur today, right? Sometimes you'll fall into this mindset that like, oh, I got it. I can do it. I'm not going to ask anybody to do it because it's going to take me longer to explain than it would for me to just get it done, right? But collaboration is so key to growing and scaling your business. So as you might be balancing both even, right? What are some ways that you can collaborate, right? With other entrepreneurs that you can collaborate with different organizations to really move your mission forward with industry organizations, right? To move your mission forward. I'll, I'll share with you briefly about a collaboration that I had recently in my business at Career Thrivers with the Nashville Entrepreneur Center. So if you're listening in and you are in the Nashville area and you have entrepreneurial interest, I highly encourage you to get connected with the Nashville Entrepreneur Center. It's thought to be the front door of entrepreneurship in Nashville. So it's a great resource in being a space, like a physical space. So that's number one. I like to clarify that because everyone doesn't know that. So the Entrepreneur Center is a physical space, but it is also a vibrant community of entrepreneurs across many phases. So from idea to implementation to you know businesses that are growing and scaling to founders who have exited. And so you can tap into that community. And it was actually the community that I tapped into when I transitioned from Pfizer to full-time entrepreneurship. So that same August 19, 2019, when I was deciding like, okay, yes, this is my last day. Like I'm moving forward. I'm going to build this company. I connected with the EC and we call it the EC for short for, it stands for Entrepreneurship Center. So um, I went through the pre-flight program there and actually my sister in love was the person that shared about the EC with me and I had not heard of it and I'm a Nashville native. I'm like, wait, what, what is this place? I'll never forget like going to the building. I'm like, I was just so blown away that it is an entire like co-working space. It's beautiful. The people were really nice. And so I, I got connected in 2019 and, and did the pre-flight program fall of that year. And so full circle moment happened last year when I had a board member tap me to join the EC's leadership team. And I'll never forget mentioning to them like, Hey, you know, I, I am grateful that you thought of me for this opportunity, but I am clearly not looking for a job. I'm growing a business. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. You know, that's not what I was thinking at all. I was actually thinking that you could support them through your business by being a fractional um, employee. And I'm like, oh, okay. Hadn't thought about that. So, um, and it was similar to the work that uh, we were doing to support corporations, but I'm like, well, we're, we're, you know, we're more in the corporate space, not really in the non, uh, not really in the business of, of serving nonprofits in, in terms of the work that we do. And so ended up meeting with the CEO and COO at that time, uh, last year, 2022. And we sat down, we had a great conversation. Um, I created the role where I could add the most value to, uh, what they were building based on what they were looking for. And we entered into a one-year agreement. So, um, it, it was a, it was a collaboration in that, the Nashville Entrepreneurship Center hired career thrivers, and I served as a fractional chief diversity, equity, and inclusion officer um, and learned a lot. So some of you who are in Nashville or, or know of my work at the EC, I've certainly gotten questions about, you know, are you still there? Kind of like, what's going on? And uh, so I'm not, I'm not there anymore. I'm not there in the capacity of being a team member, right? We completed our one-year agreement and um, I learned a lot. And I want to actually want to share with you a few of the lessons that I learned being a fractional DEI leader, right? Because I, I'm, I'm definitely aware that uh, some of you listening on here are in that space, career thrivers as an organization, we support leaders that are in that role. But one of the things that I'll share that there's often a lot of conversation around burnout, stress, and here lately, even turnover within the kind of not even not even CDO level chief diversity officer level but people that are in those roles that support that business function so a couple of lessons that I learned and that I've been very reflective around it comes to not only supporting that work 
right, as a partner organization through Career Thrivers, but actually stepping inside of an organization to lead that work, right? And I, I was laughing with a mentor a couple of weeks ago talking about, you know, how it, there, it, it's one thing to partner with executives to develop a strategy for those executives to implement. It is something slightly different <laughs> to then take that strategy and be responsible for the implementation, right? So, so while the work wasn't new, stepping into that implementation role for a year taught me a lot. Here are a couple of things that it, that it reinforced or taught me that I think w- will be helpful for those of you, like I said, who work in that space, right? So first thing that I would say is an organization's DEI strategy will only succeed to the level of the CEO's support of the work. This is research back. Like this isn't like I'm sharing this as a lesson in that my experience now backs that up. So you you go from being the researcher to the witness, but um, research also backs this, right? It's, it's, it, it is why, if I could put my like DEI consultant hat on just for a second, it's why when we're working with corporations around like building their strategy and, and figuring out you know, what are the roles that are needed to support the work? Our recommendation is usually that in research supports the leader of DEI reporting into the CEO. Now your structure is your, is your structure, right? There are lots of corporations and other organizations where that person might report into the CHRO or, you know, there are other ways of doing it, but having a line of sight to the CEO is important because the strategy and the implementation of the work will only succeed to the level of that person that's in that seat, their support of the work. The second lesson that I learned similarly is that, you know, and 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 I hope that this resonates with those of you who might have become entrepreneurial because you're in a role where you don't feel supported. And there are a lot of people that work in this DEI space that, that feel that way. Um, if if your senior leadership within your organization doesn't want to do the work, you can't make them, right? And I think so often, and I've had a lot of conversations with you know, other leaders that work in the DEI space about the 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 push and pull of leading leaders in this space. And I think that it's important to balance your sense of emotional, mental, and energetic well-being with your passion, purpose, and KPIs around DEI. So that's lesson number two. The third lesson I would say in this category is that, you know, this particular collaboration and, and, and this body of work, right, even, even beyond my direct experience here, has been that most leaders, and this is like across the board, right, industry agnostic, level agnostic, whether you're, you know, first time people leader, mid, mid manager, or more senior most leaders still see DEI as almost like community service, right? There's like this undercurrent of like, we're doing this because it's the right thing to do. They don't see it as a core business function that improves outcomes. And and that's just a different paradigm that really requires education and actual experience to shift. Right. And so I've definitely learned that in my work that, you know, it, it's, it's very much connected to this whole conversation of like, you know, the business case for DEI. You really have to remind yourself, especially if you're working in this space, that sometimes the resistance that you might feel is because there's an undercurrent of this isn't necessary. Right. And as the practitioner or the leader of the work, you know, right, from the data that this work could actually improve the bottom line of the business, right? So it's that, again, going back to that influencing without positional authority or whatever that, you know, skill set might be to really help people to see that and kind of move them along the journey, 
right? And there's more to unpack there. Like if this were an episode on DEI, we could talk a little, a lot more about that. But like that was a big lesson learned for me um, with this with this collaboration. The fourth lesson that I learned with this collaboration is that Black professionals in that work in organizations, whether it's nonprofit, corporate, government again, sector aside, are often mischaracterized, overlooked, and mismanaged by leaders and experience this deep emotional tax to prove their worth that is beyond what both white professionals experience and it is also beyond what people of color experience, which is why they leave. Um, a lot of the work that we do at Career Thrivers is around retention, like helping corporations retain talent. And oftentimes when we are working with talent management teams and even like digging into just um, broader broader swaths of data, like by industry, if you disaggregate attrition data, you often will see that there are higher rates of turnover with black talent than any other demographic of talent. And then the question becomes like, well, why is that, right? And so my experience has been, and the data suggests, um, and if you're curious more about this, McKinsey and Company has a fantastic report around, um, it's, about, it's about race in the workplace. And they talk about the experiences of black professionals that's backed by data relative to this conversation around not only, um, you know, barriers to advancement, but just like the experience and, and retention speaks to this, right? And that's the last lesson that I'll say here. Like the proof of your company culture is in your retention data. So a lot of the work that I was doing in this collaboration was externally facing, meaning like it was, um, and more specifically connected to the entrepreneurs we were serving, which I loved. So for, for, for instance, if you're not familiar, there's a program across the state of Tennessee called Twin Day. It's for uh, black and brown founders. So founders of color, helping you grow and scale your business. So a large part of my remit in this collaboration on this leadership team was redesigning that program. And so we brought in an incredible partner through Stimulus and shout out to Liz J. Simpson and Kelly and the entire Stimulus team. And we applied a framework that's been very successful in their 12% accelerator to Twin Day to help Black and Brown founders in the state of Tennessee do big business. So do business with corporate and government clients. And so redesign the program. If, if there's one thing to know about Career Thrivers, we are a leadership development firm and our sweet spot is learning and development. So curriculum design, program design, coaching, live learning events and development. And so I had a blast doing that work. Like I had a blast, you know, thinking about the instructional design of this program, building out the resources, like working with this incredible, again, another collaboration partner in Stimulus to build this accelerator for founders of color. And um, it was phenomenal work. So that was one side of the work. And then the other side of the work was like the internal culture related, team related work. And it was for me a great experience as a founder that was doing this like internal um, executive level leadership role in just how critical retention can be to the culture of the organization. And so we often talk about at Career Thrivers and definitely this experience really helped me to like see and feel where perhaps four year removal from being a leader inside of an organization reminded me about the importance of retaining your people and how high turnover is often an indicator of mediocre leadership. Like it, it is why I'm so passionate about the work that we do at Career Thrivers. It is why I love this lane of leadership development because people don't leave organizations, right? And this is and this is the message for the people leaders that are listening, right? Like whether you know, someone wants to start a business or whether they want to grow their business. Like those are often, that's the fruit, not the root, <laughs> right? And, and a lot of times you'll hear leaders say, oh, well, that person left because they wanted to start their business. No, nah, 
they were they were building their business while they were working. They were fine doing both, right? They left because they were not having a good experience at your organization. They left because there have been great performers that have been promoted into people leader roles that have not developed their capacity to bring the best out of other people, right? They left because there's an opportunity to develop your people leaders, not because they wanted to grow their business, right? And so I think that is a critical aspect of why I wanted to address this dynamic of what I think of in my mind. And I'm curious about your thoughts on this. Like, so email us at info at careerthrivers.com and let me know what you think about this, right? I believe that one of the big misses in DEI, one of the largest opportunities to become aware of one, address and improve is this whole swath of people who are building businesses while working at your company. The side hustling entrepreneur needs to be a part of your DEI strategy. The side hustling entrepreneur that is building something on the side that has an entire business that you might not even be aware of as a people leader or that has an entire business that you are aware of, but you feel threatened by, or there's a fixed mindset where the leader thinks, oh my gosh, that person must not be working because I saw a scheduled post (laughs) that went out on their social media, right? There's such a, a vast opportunity for leaders within corporate organizations, especially other areas as well, to recognize that the workforce of 2023 includes 40, anywhere from 40 to 50% of people that are building, that are makers, creators, and entrepreneurs, right? And so as, as leaders, as leaders of people, we, we have to include, right, in our inclusion conversation, how do you lead and manage an employee that has a side hustle? Maybe that's another episode. I don't know. I don't want to get off on a tangent on it, but, and I have a little bit, but I hope that you're following (laughs) what I'm sharing and why I connected it with this episode, because I think that, you know, lessons to be learned in this entrepreneurial space aren't just for entrepreneurs, but it's also in recognition of many entrepreneurs still have a nine to five, right? And as a people leader, we have an opportunity to be a better leader of our side hustling entrepreneurs, all right? So lesson number five, we got two more, we're wrapping it up. So I'm just gonna go back really quick just to to summarize where we are. So lesson number one, timing is everything, right? But so is preparedness, that's lesson number one. Lesson number two, your corporate experience is gold. Lesson number three, stay resilient and open-minded. Lesson number four, forget the competition, focus on collaboration. Lesson number five, never stop learning. I'm going to hit this one quick because I I got my dad saying in my head, you probably heard me say it before. He would tell my brothers and I, the biggest room in our house is the room for improvement, (laughs) right? So never stop learning. Like continuous improvement and consistent learning is going to be the way that you thrive, whether you are growing a business on the side or you're fully focused in on climbing the ladder or the lattice (laughs) inside of a Fortune 500 organization, right? And so this thirst for knowledge in making the investments in yourself to go after it, right, um, is going to be important, right? So providing platforms um, as people leaders as well for your people to gain those skills, right, to develop, right, And, and recognizing the power in both personal and professional development is going to be critical, right? It's critical. Last but not least, my final and sixth lesson in these four years of growing career thrivers, four years since my last day of work at Pfizer, final lesson, I believe the most important one to keep in mind for those of us who are ambitious, we're builders, we're thrivers, health, is truly wealth. And I have to tell you, um, I did a quick poll on my Instagram story. So if we're not connected, head on over to Instagram and let's connect. I'm at Brittany N. Coles. Of course, that's T-T-A-N-Y, N and then Cole and C-O-L-E. And um, I was taking questions for, for this episode. So shout out to those of you who shared your questions with me. I hope I answered them. I definitely incorporated them in the lesson. So thank you for sharing your questions with me. And my personal trainer, so I'm just going to shout him out on the episode, Jarrell Webb. So celebrity 
fitness, health and wellness, fitness trainer and health and wellness expert. <laughs> he sent me this question. It was like, why is it that I think, and, and just for context. So I asked my audience like, you know, Hey, I'm working on this, this episode. I want to share my entrepreneurship journey lessons learned. Like what questions would you have? His question was like, why is it that when people focus on entrepreneurs, they forget about their health or something, something to that effect. Right. And I'm like, here he goes. Right. But he's right. He's right. Right. We get so busy, especially if you're juggling both. It's like, oh my gosh, I got to show up and make sure that my performance is exceeding expectations in my nine to five. I want to network, do all these things that we talked about. Right. And I'm, I'm maybe burning the night, midnight oil with growing this business on the side. When do I have time for my health? Right. So while you're building your brand, while you're hustling on the side, you know, it is clear, like one thing couldn't be more clear that your health is important because all the ambition, all of the dreams, all of the building, all of the millions, all of the financial freedom, all of the opportunity to not vacation, like vacate for what? Like my life is such that when we get ready to go explore a different country, we go, right? If that's your dream, all of that means nothing if you aren't in a state to be able to do it right? If you aren't taking care of your mind, if you aren't, right, taking good care of the one body that we get, right? And so sometimes in the entrepreneurship space, you know, this whole hustle culture can really take hold where we don't have good synergy between our body and what we're producing, right? And so if you're thinking about health and prioritizing health. One thing that I'll share with you that I actually learned at Pfizer. And I, it's, again, one of the highlights, I think when I think about my time there, I led an initiative around energy management. It was probably one of the last things that I did in my role as a marketer. Um, I partnered with our regional president and during his town hall, I gave this um, presentation and we had a like whole marketing um, d- division wide activity around energy management. And energy management, if you do the research, we can talk about that maybe in another episode. Energy management is more important than time management. So if you learn to manage your mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental energy is the most important portion of how you are prioritizing your well-being, right? And your business, your performance at your organization, it reflects your state of mind and your body. So for those of you who are in corporate roles, right, utilize those health resources, tap into what your organization provides you in terms of your benefits and maximize them, right? Maximize what your organization provides when it comes to your health, your well-being, EAP, whatever it is, right? And as people leaders, cultivate a culture where you encourage your people to do just that, right? As, as the leader, right? People go as the leader goes. So as the leader, as the people leader on the team, right? You want to make sure that you are modeling, you know, great work-life synergy practices. If you say you're taking vacation, you're taking PTO, right? You're not sending emails from 10 to five. (laughs) It's like, wait, I thought they were on vacation, right? You're modeling those practices that are going to be in alignment with not only the innovation that you want to see, but recognizing that the innovation that you want to see is connected to the clarity of mind, the place of peace, the well-being, the health, right, of your people. That's how you get there. So um, small things that you can do in this space, right? Think about a daily health break. What does that look like for you? Five-minute meditation, a quick workout. If you've got the Calm app, right? Just taking a moment to do some deep breathing at your seat, right? If you work in your, at home, that might be closing the door, uh, closing the blinds, turning off the lights and taking you a, a 20 minute siesta, right? Whatever that looks like for you. So that's it y'all. Thank you for joining me on this reflection today. As always, if this episode resonated with you, share it with someone that you know, share it with your leaders, share it with your team. And remember, Whether you are working a nine to five and building a business on the side, or if you are all in on growing your business, or if you are leading someone that is side hustling, right? There is room for you to thrive in all of those spaces. As long as you prioritize what worked for you, 
you're mindful of the lessons and the life and the vision of what you're building towards and you communicate what it is that you need, listen, there's room for you to thrive. And so I'm excited that you're here. Make sure that you tune in to careerthrivers.com forward slash podcast. Check out our resources there and rate and review this episode. I'll see you on the next one. And that's a wrap on today's episode, Thrivers. Remember, the power to thrive is in your hands. You have the strength, the patience, the passion, and the brilliance to reach for your next level and to seize it. Never forget that you are not alone on this journey. Together, we will learn, grow, and make strides to lead well. I'm Brittany and Cole reminding you to trust your instincts, to honor your strengths, to embrace those opportunities, and to own your power. Remember, download the Own Your Power checklist to keep you on track with your growth over at careerthrivers.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for joining us on the Career Thrivers podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode. And until next time, as we break boundaries and own our power, let's thrive together. Thank you.